So how is everybody doing? Good. Glad to hear it. Can you all hear me okay? Yep. Great. Thank you. All right. I haven't finished grading the, uh, the midterms. I've done about 20 of them, I think. Um, so end of the week, I should have them all done. But I do want to walk through uh, the grade sheet that I'm using and, and uh, the answers that I, that I had drafted for uh, the various issues and what uh, basically talk about how I'm grading uh, the exam. Uh, I want to uh, share. This is what uh, my grade sheet is for this exam. So I've got uh, I'm including the the original exam, and what I've done is I've numbered the paragraphs so I can refer to them in the grading. Uh, and then this is the actual grade sheet itself. Um, excuse me. So I have I've listed the issues as I saw them. There's a lot of flexibility in this exam. I think people saw different issues and responded to them differently, and that's fine. Um, so I have issues A through M. So that's a lot of issues. And the first column is the, well, the first column is which issue it is. Uh, then paragraph five is where the, this particular uh, um, discussion of the lizard people comes out. And then in the analysis is my, my analysis of the issue as I saw it, as I was writing it. So, excuse me. So there's, this was, um, this was a somewhat ambiguous, uh, midterm, I think, as I, as I saw the people, the way people were responding to it, because I wrote this and I wanted to be, wanted it to be somewhat timely, but not based completely on fact. You know, not based completely on uh, or opinion either about um, about the recent election, but obviously inspired by the recent election. Uh, so I added, I changed some things around. I changed some of the facts. I changed um, personnel and so on. And um, I think one one of the one of the things that I noticed the the, the way that I wrote it as sort of a, a narrative. Uh, that a, a lot of people didn't see it the same way, and, and, and this is fine. I, I saw the first issue as whether uh, President Bartlett was of diminished capacity because of the extremely bizarre nature of his theory about the election being stolen by outer space aliens with space lasers, right? Um, I wanted to make it clear that this was this was far more extreme than any um, uh, than any theory about uh, uh, miscounting of votes and improprieties of, of, of voting procedures in the various states. I wanted it to be pretty uh, uh, unmistakable that this was a bizarre, delusional claim. So, but not everybody saw it that way, which is fine. I mean, so to me, as I was writing it, it was my interpretation of it was that um, the client here, the president, believed this theory, you know, which is so it's hard to say that he was um, 
you know, you can't say that he was uh, being dishonest in promoting a theory that he actually believed. So um, that put a little different spin on some of the issues than some of the students did. But again, that's fine because people, as I as I was reading through it, I see I could see ambiguity and people could interpret it in different ways. So I'm going to go through what are the issues that I identified, what I what I intentionally put in. And also, I'm leave. I'm also adding space at the end for also adding issues that people identified that I did not identify or that I did not interpret the same way, but they're, that are still valid. Um, I think the only, I think one or two people actually just sort of misstated a rule, and that's so you don't get a point for that. But. Um, I mean, I actually stated the rule, you know, the opposite of what it said. So let me let me sort of walk through this. And um, again, I've you'll you'll see your your graded uh, exams at the end of the week, with if all goes well. All right. Paragraph, you know, first issue, paragraph five. The, the theory that the election was stolen by lizard people from Mars. Okay. Um, so I, I saw that as reason to inquire into whether Bartlett was of diminished capacity. So that was my first issue. And then talking about what does that mean and what, what does uh, uh, the, the attorney, which was a blend of Giuliani and Cuomo, in case anybody didn't catch that. Um, and I had put in some, uh, some additional uh, fact situations about um, sexual harassment and so on, but I, I just took that out because it was getting long enough as it was. But anyway, um, again, and I, I thought it's not it, I, it's not clear that a, a delusional theory means that uh, the client cannot make adequately de considered decisions in other areas. But I, I saw that as a major issue, and then the question being, what should the attorney do about it? So that was that was my first uh, uh, issue there, and then the idea that. That perhaps he would be the attorney would be justified in consulting with close family and staff um, while uh, trying to preserve confidentiality as much as possible. Second, <coughs> excuse me. Second issue. Um, again, the theory about the lizard people because I, I thought that was a fun theory. So there, I tried to. The point that I was trying to put in was that this was um, that as the president in this problem saw it, that lizard people using space lasers to influence the elections are a major problem in the world. And he wanted to, that was part of his objective in bringing the litigation. It wasn't simply uh, to overturn the election in this problem. So, um, the idea being then that since that, since that was part of the uh, objective of the representation, then the attorney had some obligation to include that, right? To acknowledge that op that objective, um, and couldn't just ignore it. Um, again, toss, <clears throat> tossing in the idea that if he is, if uh, the president was indeed of diminished capacity, then there's some. Uh, then the attorney would have somewhat more leeway to 
not ignore, but to, but to figure out how to, how to handle this objective that, that maybe not be, was not reasonable. Questions at this point? Are you, are you with me where I'm going with this? Okay. Speak up if, if, um, at any point here, cause I'm, I'm really, I'm looking at my text here and I may not see you wave, uh, raise your hand or anything. Okay. Second was, so I also had put in issues about competence. I was really trying to emphasize, um, the, some of the basic, uh, duties of the lawyer, some of the, the, you know, rules 1, 1, 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, and so on. Um, and so this is why I also included the idea that, that, um, Giuliano was, uh, assembled a team. So he had a group of, of, of attorneys being supervised. That's a 5.1 issue. Um, but that he was not taking part in the actual legal arguments that they made. Right. And so that should be a question of, was he providing competent representation, even though he was not involved in the legal arguments. And that is one I think could be argued either way. I think, um, you could say that he was not providing competent representation, but if you look at 1.1 competence can be, uh, met by a team of lawyers and so on. So as long as he was sort of supervising it and he was, um, so it could, one could argue that, um, these are good lawyers. They're, they're partners in the firm. So, so that competent rep, uh, representation was being provided even if, uh, Giuliano, the, the lead attorney sort of took himself out of the legal presentation and became sort of the more the public advocacy side of the team. Okay. Um, but at the same time, you could also argue that, um, uh, as the attorney, he should have taken a more active part in, uh, at least reviewing the legal arguments to see if they, uh, if they had any backing. So I, I actually, uh, was putting more of the emphasis on, um, frivolous or non-meritorious claims on the arguments that were actually being made in court, right? By the attorneys, as opposed to the arguments that, that Giuliano was making publicly at press conferences and on Twitter and so on. Right. And again, people, you people, if people responded differently to that, that's fine. Because I'm, as I said, I think this was sort of, a in trying to be timely, um, there was a lot of sort of, there was still, I think a lot of subjectivity and maybe different people are sort of bringing their views, uh, from outside. And it's hard to separate the outside facts that this is based on from what I, the sort of the, the fictional fact narrative that I was creating. So I'm, I'm being sort of quite, uh, uh flexible with, with this, um, diligence, um, so I, I also brought in 1.3, the, the question of diligence relating to, again, Giuliano's fa uh, failure to supervise the attorneys that were working on the, the legal arguments. Um, and again, you, you, you could reach, given this sort of the short fact situation we have, you need a lot more facts to determine exactly, you know, uh, 
you know, with certainty uh, whether he was being diligent or not. Because one could certainly argue reasonably in, in this fact situation that these attorneys are skilled enough that they, they were providing the plenty of representation. They didn't need um, the supervisory attorney riding herd over them. So again, that could go that could go either way. Um, but then the uh, next issue was why did they lose every every single case they brought? So was was that a sign of incompetence? And um, my under my uh, sort of analysis of that was that uh, whether or not lawyers provide competent representation is not determined by whether they win, right? Um, if a, if a lawyer takes a losing case, um, they could still be doing their best. They're doing competent representation by doing their best to present the case as it was. Uh, so again, that's another issue that, as long as the, you identify it, could go either way. Um, very few. I mean, very few people identified the rule one point one four out of the twenty or so that I've that I've seen so far. Um, which, which meant that they took a completely different sort of went on a different uh, direction with it than I did, because because then as they saw it, they uh, the issue was dishonesty, uh, both on the part of of the client and the lawyer. Brian, yeah, I mean just to comment on that, it you know that came into my mind, but it 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 didn't really seem to fit the call of the question, you know. We were talking about a duty to report. Well, the idea is you find out, first of all, identify what about what violations occurred, then determine did any of them um, meet the call of 8.3? Did any of the violations raise a substantial question of honesty, trustworthiness or fitness in the lawyer? Right. So not every violation that a lawyer might might um, commit in this, in this situation might necessarily require another lawyer to report it mm. right because that's that's um that's sort of the the burden of rule 8.3 is that um not only in with when you look at 8.3 you look at first of all there's another lawyer who's committed violations right and they are liable for for ethical uh discipline 8.3 puts the burden on another lawyer who happens to witness it and say, are we going to require another lawyer to report, uh, to snitch on a, a fellow lawyer because of the fellow lawyer's misconduct? You know, and so 8.3 says that there are only, only certain types of, of uh, violations of misconduct are serious enough that we would pose that burden on another lawyer who may be innocent and may not want to be, you know, put their career in jeopardy and so on. Does that make sense? Brian? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I'm just suggesting that that might be why this wasn't in everyone's. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Uh, and again, you know, some, I, I, I expected at least, a, well, most people did, you know, deal with it. They at least mentioned 8.3 and the burden there. So that was fine. Gianna? Um, I was just wondering if maybe one of the reasons uh, that some people did not put that in there was it, that it kind of seemed as though Giuliano uh, agreed with 
um, Bartlett. So uh, in terms of the theory being correct. So if that were the case, you know, it might not be likely that, uh, you know, whatever Giuliani would, um, you know, look into whether the client was of diminished capacity if he thought that the theory had, you know, uh, was credible because obviously he was like going around repeating it and thought that, you know, this was, this was correct. So, you know, I guess the question would be, you know, it would still stand. Should he have inquired as to if the client had a diminished capacity? Sure. But if he didn't think that the client's theory was that implausible, then I guess, you know, he wouldn't. Right. Right. Well, if, yeah, if he didn't think it was plausible, you're right. If he didn't think it was implausible, correct. But also, I mean, I guess, um, I was sort of going with the interpretation that, um, a lawyer is entitled to, um, to represent his client's viewpoint, his client's, his client's uh, objectives, right? Um, maybe he should have withdrawn, or at least uh, several people said that he should have withdrawn, or the team, entire team should have withdrawn early on. The only problem with that is that um, there should have been, before they withdraw, there should be an attempt to try and, if they think that the theory is a problem, that they should try and talk him out of it and try and persuade him to to take a different approach. Um, that's just something I didn't think of. So any people who talk about one point one six and withdrawal, they get a, they get points for that. Okay. Um, so basically, you know, people if people didn't follow the exact same interpretation I did and followed a different track, then that's going to bring in different issues and different rules that they're going to get credit for. Okay. Um, yeah, professor. Yeah. I just yeah. have a question. Yeah. So, so that is possible for there to be rules on here that you don't have covered that you Absolutely. still get credit for. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. like that's the thing. Like with this, I don't know. I think with Brian, that that's how I was with the call, the question. It just made me think that it made me take a different, I guess, trajectory for the way I um, composed my responses. I'm not mm -hmm. saying everything was right, but that that caused me to take a different trajectory because of the call, the question. I would say where maybe it was a little bit different. I may have perceived it differently and thought of some of these. So mm -hmm. that's why I was just wondering for, because well, I me, focused a go, lot on me, dishonesty and so. Let me and go fraudulent. right to that since you, people are, since you're asking about that. At the end, uh, I have this extra space, extra points for issues I had not accounted for, right? Again, and, and a lot of that is because I, I was taking a different approach or maybe I just, you know, I'm human. I forget, I, I omit something too, you know? Um, so that's where I would put in the rules that, that you all cited and give you points for that. So in theory, it's actually possible to get more than 21, more than 20 points. You know, that sort of could be extra credit. I no one has gotten more than 20 points yet, but it could happen. You know, that would, that would require sort of catching almost all of my issues and putting in others that I, that I didn't see. Frank? Yeah, I, I just have a question. Uh, like for every issue, we had to make like a conclusion related to rule 8.3 like the conclusion like for instance although he violated no like he violated this rule uh but in conclusion it was not related to trustworthiness or ability to practice law because i mean when i was making the conclusions for every issue i was mm -hmm. concluding but related to that specific rule not all the time like associating that right. specific violation with rule 8.3 that's a question the way, I, the way i did that is i i dealt with each each issue and 
Then at the end, I looked at rule 8.3 and I tried to identify which rules I thought, which violations were most likely to raise an 8.3 issue. So which violations were, were of the type that um, reflected on honesty, trustworthiness, or fitness of the lawyer? Of the lawyer who should, who, um, yeah. So, as and again, again, as I analyzed it, I found two. The, uh, the issue of, of um, using the non-meritorious arguments in court and then breaches of confidentiality because that reflects a lack of, lack of trustworthiness. So the way I did it is I simply went through, analyzed each rule, each violation, and then sort of put the 8.3 lens on that and said, okay, out of all these violations, which ones should the lawyer uh, have a duty to report because they uh, raise substantial questions of honesty, trustworthiness, and fitness as a lawyer, okay? So it's, it's a two-step process. You, you do the, analyze the rules, and then at the end of that, you look at those and say, do any of these require another lawyer, you know, a, a, a third lawyer to report them? Does that make sense? So I think that I think that's the best way to analyze it. It's not you. You don't have to sit and look at each rule and say, "Okay, is there a violation? How bad is it? Do I have to report it?" And then go on to the next issue. You sort of analyze the the problems, and then at the end, I think the best way is the best way to do it. Say, "Okay, which of the which of these require that I are require that I report them?" Does that make sense? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, I mentioned the yeah. thing is that I mentioned Rule Eight Point Three, and I, and I obviously I, I I just explained it, and I mentioned some of the issues, but I for some reason I feel like I didn't make that double step for each issue. I just well, identified it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't expect you to do that for each issue. I expect at the end, or again, the way I wrote it was at the end, the conclusion, sort of looking back. Okay, I've done. I found these ten issues, and looking at Eight Point Three now. I think issues two and seven are the ones that are that require reporting, right? And not everybody did that. Um, I I was actually pretty generous with uh, eight point three. Basically, if if someone cited eight point three and said that this, I I on this on this one I was pretty generous with it, right? Um, as I tend to be sometimes. You know, a lot of times I write these up with a lot of analysis and then I become more flexible as I'm grading it uh, because I think I tend to put more, at least I tend to put more emphasis on identifying the issues rather than depth of analysis because you can't do a lot of deep analysis on an essay exam like this. And uh, I may vary that. What, I, what, I, what I'll probably do in the final is I'm going to try and do two questions one which is more of an issue spotter, and one which is maybe fewer issues, but requires more analysis. And I can tell you that would probably be um, a complex conflict of, a conflict of interest issue, because they can get very complex. Okay. All right. Um, where are we? All right, then, again, I've I had another uh, reference. Okay, 
60 cases everyone uh, lost and then this goes uh, goes back to the uh, to the attorneys who are actually making the arguments uh, lawyers have a right to represent their clients zealously but may not abuse the judicial process or act dishonestly uh, the other one uh, advanced arguments in court without any basis in law or fact. That's a pretty explicit reference to uh, Rule 3.1. And that was actually used in, in, in one of the actual, that's, the judge actually made that statement in one of the actual cases. Uh, so that would be a 3.1 reference. Um, as would dishonesty would raise the 8.4C issue. Um, some people point out that that would, as a, seeing it, um, uh, abusing the judicial process as a uh, prejudicing the, I'm, I'm blanking on the, the phrasing here, um, 8.4D. 8. 8. Um, and so, so that, I, I accepted that too. Uh, all right, so that this is one where I thought it was clear that the lawyers did in fact violate 3.1. Uh, just as I was writing it, because of, to me it was it was it was unclear whether Giuliano was violating 3.1 in pushing the uh, lizard people argument, but at the same time he wasn't pushing that in court. He was making public statements, so that's slightly different. Um, so 3.1 may not even apply to what he was doing uh, because he wasn't um, he wasn't bringing a claim you know or proceeding on that based on that issue jesse i see you looking puzzled did, did you follow that yes i do thank okay. you all right okay um let's see then again, the question about uh, sort of supervision or, or well, there's sort of two sides to this to this issue about uh, Giuliano's lack of involvement uh, in uh, bringing the cases and uh, and then lack of supervision. So although he may have sort of insulated himself from a 3.1 claim, right, because he wasn't actually pressing these the lizard people theory in court, he wasn't supervising. And um, to me, it was that he should have at least reviewed. Um, and again, there's sort of the idea of willful blindness. He, it maybe it's unclear to me. It was you could go either way on whether the whether Giuliano actually knew what the people under him were doing, or is that just what he told his client at the end that he said he had this is the first he'd heard of it. It could go either way. Um, but he certainly could not be willfully blind I maintain willful blindness to what they were doing. Uh, he should have known what they were, what they were up to. Let's see. Uh, some people caught this. This is just, um, uh, that's why I only gave, that's why I only gave this issue one point because it was, uh, the idea about sort of making reference to the Supreme Court justices and being able to influence them. That's a specific point in rule 8.4 E. Uh, it's misconduct to state or an apply an ability to influence a government agency or official by means that violate the rules of professional conduct or other law. 
and again, his statement could be taken a couple of ways. It could simply be, be a statement of fact that, you know, the president has appointed three of the current uh, justices, or it might state um, some might be some kind of a, a state uh, a hope of to influence them. It's hard. I mean, again, looking at the language of the of the rule, simply stating the fact that hey, there are three court justices that the that the president appointed um, doesn't necessarily. That that could be just a statement of fact. Doesn't necessarily make a statement that that I, as a lawyer, can influence those judges. You see. Um, but again, I think that was the the issue that I that I put in, and and some people caught it, and that's fine. Uh, I didn't expect everyone to. That's why I weighted the I weighted the points a little differently. Some that I thought were. Um, you know, this one I thought was pretty straightforward, but also easy to miss. And so I only gave it one point. Um, then the press conference, uh, talking about what the president had told him, and then the, the re, uh, disparaging statements that he heard from White House staff. Those both raised 1.6 confidentiality issues. Certainly the, the uh, uh, statement by the president does. The disparaging statements by others uh, is sort of meant to get at the idea that um, Rule 1.6 confidentiality protects information relating to the representation of a client. It doesn't matter where the, whether the information came from the client, right? It could be just information that the lawyer gathered in the course of that representation. So that the statements by like other White House staff that the law that the lawyer may have heard or you know inquired about uh, would still would be would be confidential may not be privileged because they may not be privileged persons but they're still protected by confidentiality because confidentiality is much broader than privilege okay so I put a lot of these these sort of picky points in here that a few people got, and it's fun when they get them. But um, again, like I said, sort of the focus is on identifying the issue. Which way you come out on the issue is, in most cases, arguable. You could come come out different ways on it. Let's see. Um, a few people caught this one where where um, Giuliano didn't tell. Uh, the client right away that his argument had not been included in any of the briefs. Um, that's 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 drawing on comment seven to the one to rule one point four on the duty of communication, which says that in some instances a, a lawyer may delay transmission of information, may not uh, have to test have to inform the client promptly if it's going to uh, if the client would be likely to react imprudently. Um, so again, as, as I, as I interpreted it, as I wrote it, um, I thought that that was probably permitted the, the, uh, in, in delaying on informing the client about that. Uh, then here's my sort of, uh, summary where I looked at all the, all the issues I found and decided which ones, if any, required reporting under rule 8.3. And, and the ones I thought required reporting were, um, 
the lawyers making the non-meritorious non-meritorious arguments in court, and um, Giuliano's breaches of confidentiality in this press conference, because that that reflects on uh, trustworthiness. You should, the, uh, your lawyer should be able to keep their mouth shut uh, or know the difference between public advocacy for their case and spreading information that could be harmful. Okay, and then the last one, I, I, I didn't, you know, basically if someone, if someone identified an issue and had a decent statement about why it's relevant, uh, you get a point for that. I didn't annotate it because you've already annotated it. If, if, there, so if there's a point in, the, in your answer where you've written about rule, like rule 2.1 and you said why that's relevant, then you get a point for that. Okay, so so I just added. I, so for this part, I just put the rules in, added up points for each of them, and then add up the totals. Uh, questions? Yeah, I have one question. Um, it also said to to assess potential subordinate violations, so it wasn't just. Um, the subordinate asking if she like had to report Giuliani. It also talked about subordinate violations themselves. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if if we reasonably thought there were subordinate violations or issues to address, is that something that is potentially worth points? I'm well, just curious. Again, um, I didn't, I I didn't treat Rule Five Point Two in my analysis, and some people did. And you get a point. You get points for that. But to me, I was looking at like like um, this question about the legal arguments that they were making in court. Here about on par on paragraph on issue F, paragraph seven. Those were the arguments that the subordinate lawyers were making in court, right? So, so the so I was looking at their conduct in that in that sense. I, uh, I also, I mean, there's also 5.1, putting the burden on our, the, the responsibility on Giuliomo. I just didn't put in 5.2, you know, which I should have. So people who talked about it got, a, got points for that. And that, that's just, just um, like I said, I'm human. I'm trying to write this exam in the middle of the semester without any mid, any spring break. And so I didn't, you know, I missed a few issues, but then you guys bring them up. You guys identify, identify them and you get credit for them. Does that, does that help Russell? Yeah, no, no, I, I get that. Cause I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's a lot here that could be like one person sees, you know, this, but then somebody else is like, oh, I didn't really see that as a violation issue, but it, it potentially could be a reasonable argument one way or the other. So cause that's what yeah. I see from some of these even some of the discussion here, and even from from what you said about the trajectory, basically of what people viewed as the the kind of underlying core issue there, depending yeah. how you looked at it, could affect whether you talked about you know one point one four or like couched it in something else. I think, but then you could have couched it in something that's reasonable and still gets a point. So, yeah, I think you're right, and I think that's uh, you know I, I think this is unusual for my exams in this way because I tried to try to make it timely. Um, but didn't wait, but tried to, 
also realizing that these were very controversial issues in real life that I tried to abstract it a bit. But um, so I think there I, I did leave a lot of ambiguity in it, which I which was apparent to me as I was reading the answers. Uh, so I, I'm not going to do that on the final exam. So I'm, it's, it'll be, I'm not going to try and bring in stuff like that that invites controversy, right? Where, where people are going to come in with, the, with, with uh, like we all do, with, with our own prior notions about, about a situation like this. Anybody else? Professor, I had a question about uh, Rule 1.4. Mm -hmm. um, so from my understanding of the rule, um, just because the attorneys working under Giuliano um, weren't the main like attorney to be talking with Mr. Bartlett doesn't mean that um, their duty of, of communication is mitigated at all. Like they still have the same duty of communication, even though they're not the main point of contact to the client, correct? That's a, that's a good question. Um... Well, looking at the rule, okay, so if, if it's an arguable question of professional responsibility, if there's, if there's an actual question as to whether a particular piece of information needs to be communicated, um, then the, the junior lawyers could, I, could rely on Julio Mo's decision. If it's, if it's not a general, if it's like it's clearly something that should be communicated to, communicate to, the, to the client, then, yeah, then 5.2 would not protect them. They would have to, they would have an obligation to inform the client, um, which would be messy in this, this particular situation, wouldn't it? Um, so that's a good point. Thank you. Um, Brian? Yeah, to that point, the... Um... The argument there about delaying transmission of the information. Mm -hmm. I mean, the way I looked at it was he was he was delaying it because he didn't want to get fired, which to me is not a good reason. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't really see any any argument in the in there for delaying. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. I mean, so if you if you identify, and I haven't gotten to yours yet. Uh, you have, if you have, if you identify rule 1.4 as the issue, but your analysis was different, right? So you you thought he was delaying because of not wanting to get fired. That's your answer, and that's a good answer. You but get I get for that. I mean, I I understand that mm -hmm. that it, you know you could accept many different kinds of answers on that. I'm I'm sort of addressing the rule itself, like, mm -hmm. um, well. That's that's why that's why this point is in a comment. Okay, the comments are uh, helpful, but not mandatory. You know, the, there's a duty to there's a duty to communicate, and the comment says in some in some circumstances, a lawyer may be justified. Um, but how do you determine that? How do you how do you read the, the lawyer's mind and know what the, was their motivation, right? Which is why I think it's uh, that's why maybe this was relegated to the comment rather than put in as a part of 1.4 D or whatever. 
you know. Um, a lot, some of the things in the comments are sort of compromises in that, because um, I think that's, I think that's a good point. I, I, if I'm, if I'm restating it fairly, the idea that we don't really know what his, what his reasoning was for doing I, that. I, yeah. And I, I guess the reason I'm asking is like, if this was a, an issue and you were up in front of a board, they would, they would probably be looking for objective ways of determining if it was. Well, if they're up before a disciplinary committee, you know, it's basically it's fact finding. You know, it's like 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 any fact finding matter in in a, in a jury trial or or a bench trial. You know, which do they believe? Does the the board believe that he was he was uh, delaying? This in this communication for a, a good reason or for a bad reason. Yeah. It's like on those those dating shows, right? Are they here for the right reason or the wrong reason? Like, I don't know. Does that does that help, Brian? Okay. Yes, it does. Thanks. Okay. So I don't really have anything more for today. I, so I just I'm just here to answer questions at this point. I know you don't you don't have the rule the the answer sheet in front of you, but um, is there anything else, Megan? Will our grades be coming back to us in the form of this grading sheet, where we see what issues we did you did feel we competently hit, and vice versa? Okay, just making sure. Exactly. Yes, it'll be. Um, uh, It'll, they'll be uploaded to UB Learns. So where you where you uploaded your answer, that's where you'll get the uh, the graded response. Anybody else? It's Monday. I get it. Uh, well, tell you what I'll, what I'll do is I'll I'll hang around, and if people want to ask questions more more individually, I'm here. Um, and any, any other questions about the course or life in general before we, before we sort of adjourn? How are you guys doing it? I mean, it's, it's hard having a long semester without a spring break, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It is. Um, that to me is the worst part of all of this. I kind of. You know, I I like seeing you all on on screen. I can see all of your faces. This is nice, but but having no break is hard. Um, all right, so I guess what I will do is I'll go ahead and, and uh, officially adjourn, and people who want to talk some more, you know, can stay, and we'll do that. Okay. Thank you, Professor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Professor. Yeah. Hey, Professor. I, I, I just yeah. have some, I have a couple of questions more. So um, in my, in my, I know these aren't anonymously graded. So is it, is it okay to just talk about stuff then? Cause you're not, you're not like, I'm not disclosing yeah. anything. You're not going to know there ahead of time. So yeah. like um, how for the midterm it's, you know, it's, it's hard to grade anonymously. 
using UB Learns, but also at this stage, I sort of want to get a little more feedback on each of you and see, you know, what, what you what your needs are. So that's why I didn't do this one anonymously. The yeah, so like, will be. yeah, so like, yeah, so so like for for my thing, like I like I talked about eight point three A and like mm -hmm. violation, but like I don't think because I because I, I had, obviously I saved it in a Word document, so I was looking through my things and like I don't think I actually stated explicitly like the rule for eight point three A. So is that like you don't get any points for it, or if you like identified it? And, no, because because um, like this, I'm like this was likely a violation of eight point three A. Dot dot dot. But like I noticed that like I didn't actually state eight point three A like what that is in there. Is like you, that. you didn't you didn't quote it. You didn't. I didn't quote it. like the thing. That's I, I, fine. I, no, no. I, for for fine. most of the stuff I did, I just that was one thing I noticed. And like a couple other things is I know like I tried to outline what I thought were the issues, but then I noticed that um, when I actually wrote, there were uh, there were rules I didn't mention in my initial outline that I ended up talking about. Mm -hmm. So like yeah, I mean I'm like that that's okay as well, right? Like I'm assuming you're pretty assiduous in, in going through it and you, you'll find if there's stuff that wasn't in the original outline that ended up being in there. Because <laughs> I noticed that like I like I like a, like a, like one point three I talked about a lot, but I didn't mm -hmm. actually identify in my original outline. So like it's in if, it's in like my bullet point answers. Like say, say someone talks like, about say someone talks around the issue of confidentiality but doesn't cite one point six or it's unclear what they're getting at, they might get one point instead of two points. I mm. like I like to see that that you're 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 cl thinking clearly of which rule you're talking about, but I don't you don't have to quote it or copy and paste it in or anything. Okay, like, yeah. If, for, you, for, cite, if you cite yeah. one point six, I know. Okay, you're talking about confidentiality, all the, all the duties around that. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Cause that's, that's like, I noticed, no, I noticed for a couple of things like the, the 1.3, that's like the meritorious or diligence thing. Mm -hmm. And like 1.16, like I talked about, but it was like very, very brief in there. Not, not as outlined. Mm -hmm. And that was because I, in my original outline, I didn't notice it. And then going over it again towards the end, I did. And so like kind of mm -hmm. probably got in there, you know, quickly in there. But the, and I guess the other thing, just to go back to like the subordinate thing, I think I'm, I think I may have talked about like, um, uh, I think it's as if it would be 5.2. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of the thing there. But like, because, because I took the call, the question like that to not just be Giuliani, but also subordinates, like I do address in my, what are, what are in my opinion, potential violations of like subordinates in there as well. Mm -hmm. So like, is that possible? I mean, I know you haven't looked at mine, but like, so that, that stuff is possible to get points for. Cause like, for me, I thought there were potential violations at like at filing or filing or choosing yeah, not to yeah. file in their case frivolous arguments because that was like 5.2 and like a comment or something mm -hmm. I think to 5.2 yeah. so that's what I mean like sure I know I missed a couple like I don't know why like I didn't talk about the competence thing I don't know why I didn't do that the diminished capacity I never really thought of so like, those are two mm -hmm. of the things I know I'm just like oh I didn't do that those ones but for the most part I hit on most of the other stuff and then I noticed that I missed it you know I had a couple things that weren't in here but like mm -hmm. when my opinion were stuff to address whether or not there were violations, yeah. there was there was enough. On the, of on the exam like this, nobody ever gets all of the points that I've yeah. that I've identified, but they usually, you know, often pick up a few that I hadn't identified. Mm -hmm. So I think that's I think two people have gotten twenty points, and in both cases they've missed some of mine, but they found others that were valid, and that's how they got up to that to that score. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Again, I don't. I don't expect every anyone to find everything. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's just. Yeah. It's. It's. And it's one of those things where, like, sometimes, like I said, like I tried to outline it, but then I noticed going through it again that I I found stuff that wasn't originally my outline, and so then that was thrown into to spots, yeah. and so yeah. 
So because just yeah. looking through my <laughs> looking through my response while you were talking to try and spot what rules and stuff. I'm like, oh, because I thought I like some of these I thought I didn't even talk about at all, like 1.3, 1.6. I'm like, oh wait, I did actually talk about 1.16, 1.3. Yeah. Just wasn't yeah. in my original thing. It wasn't in my original like first paragraph mm -hmm. outline that I'm mentioning for the issues. So um, yeah. yeah. I, I generally give students the benefit of the doubt on that. Like if they if they if they say confidentiality and don't cite 1.6 or something like that, I know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. That that's that's good. Then that's cool. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that was most of it. I'm trying to think. There's like thought, I feel like there's one other thing I had a question on for this. 